That's got to get the blood pumping, hasn't it, as we head into this massive race day, which is Magic Millions Day on Saturday. Michael Maxworthy is with me. Uh, does that seem like 1987 when Snippets won the inaugural Magic Millions, Mike, for Sally Rogers, Philip Smith, $22,000 buy. Ended up with Max Lees later on, of course. Good yeah. morning to you. A wonderful horse and, of course, um, big in the Australian stud book as well. That was a great first edition, wasn't no, it? it was. Mother Duck was there. Um, great to hear a lot of Queenslanders winning the race as well. I think I counted up about, what is it, about 37 years or something. Um, Queensland have won around about 15, I guess. Shakiro, um, he ha he'd have been counted, wouldn't he? Was he, he was trained Did a lot here, of racing he? in Queensland, didn't yeah. he? And General Ladeen was the other one. Um, I, I we guess regard him as a On a technicality, but... Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, some wonderful memories there, and we're going to rewrite the history books on Saturday. Can't what wait. about the next year with the drama, Molokai Prince, the protest? The protest. With Kelso going oh. off. Uh, he was the trainer of uh, Prince Anton, wasn't it? And there was a Ron Quinton. Was that the protest? The Molokai Prince? Prince Anton was, uh, was Jimmy Atkins. Oh, it wasn't Prince Anton. Yeah. Um, I'll think of the horse in a moment. But anyway, yeah. that controversial protest where Kelso was... Absolutely furious yeah. um, that particular year. Look, it's lovely to have Mark Unum back from Hong Kong joining us here at the Gold Coast. This would be tough for you. Um, How are you? Yeah, good, Steve. Uh, morning, Michael. How long have you been back in, on, in Queensland, Mark? Uh, I arrived early Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. Well, I'm going to hand this over to you because you and Navesh, you trained at Randwick for a long time. Navesh was there for a long time. And as you know, he's been doing a great job across the road at the, the Turf Club. Uh, he's with us now. Good morning, Navesh. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Oh, good, I'm thanks. Well, Mark's good. got a million questions. Hey, Navesh, how are you? You look like you've I'm got the uh, well. the track in, in great order there for uh, the weekend. Yeah, look, it's shaping up beautifully. We had that heavy rain yesterday morning. Uh, the track was heavy, but uh, it, we've had a great day yesterday. And uh, I call it a soft six this morning. I can tell you it's edging never so closer towards the soft five. So it's, it's drying up beautifully. Well, my money would be on on, uh, on you getting it right for uh, the weekend because you're pretty good at your job. Uh, thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate that. And uh, well done to you in Hong Kong as well. And, yeah, look, you know, the, the rebuild of the track. And uh, uh, last week we, we had a pretty good day. The track improved beautifully from that uh, couple of hundred mils we had earlier in the week. And it performed really well. And, look, the forecast was for a few showers uh, tomorrow and, and Saturday. They've downgraded it zero to three moles and zero to four moles uh you know if that if that is what we're going to get the track is well placed to handle it given how well it's dried out the last couple of days and look at this point in time we're well within our way to have a good track for saturday uh the only thing is obviously how much of rain we get between now and then but the pleasing thing is that the forecast is a, a much reduced number than what they had early in the week so hopefully the rain stays away and uh we're set up for a beautiful weekend of racing. Mm. Prince Regent, of course, not yeah. Prince Anton. I was trying to think. I knew it was a Prince something. Prince Regent yeah. was that protest, that 19, drama. 1988. Yeah, Ron Quinton, of course, ended up winning the race. And, uh, yeah, Kelso's horse demoted there. Quite extraordinary. Navesh, um, I was up there this morning looking at the track from an elevated view. It just looks magnificent and very lush. Have you been able to get the mower on it a couple of times? Yes. Look, we did get it mowed yesterday. Uh, with all the rain we had from uh, Sunday night. Uh, we weren't able to. Ideally, we would have liked to have mowed it uh, on Tuesday, but we mowed it yesterday. We are able to give it a good haircut. Uh, and we're giving it a spray today, and look, it's set up beautifully. Uh, it's got a lovely cover of grass. 
They haven't really affected it too badly from last week's racing. There wasn't a great deal of patching to be done. So, uh, you know, at this point in time, uh, there's a great cover of the grass from the inside to the outside. I did pop the rail out two meters from the 950 to the 400, just to get off that very inside wear. Uh, but the track has really got a great pad of grass all the way across. Navesh, I was going to ask you about the, uh, the rail placement. It was true last week. That was only our second meeting on the brand new tracks. Uh, and you didn't... You didn't make a decision till when um, to, to jump the rail out just slightly, as you've explained. Yeah, I walked the track after the last race on Saturday, and the very inside line where around the turn where it's uh, quite cambered, it, it usually is the area where uh, you, know, you get the most amount of wear in that pressure point. Given that we do have 11 races with big fields, I, uh, I decided I'd just pop it out uh, just so that it can accommodate those big fields through Saturday. I thought leaving it in the true, it would probably chop out a little bit too much on that very inside line. So, yeah, and that's the reason why I made that decision. And look, it's got a beautiful cover of grass and I'm pretty comfortable with how the track is placed. Navesh, last week um, we saw a lot of horses, well, quite a few come from back in the field, but a lot of them were threading the needle uh, coming through nearer the inside. I mean, what was your assessment of how it played and what do you think may happen this week? Yeah, look, I think we're going to definitely see a lot of horses. With the bigger fields, they're going to have to get out wider uh, to, to, to find a run and find some open space. So, look, I know it, it sort of looked like it was a little bit on pace and, and towards the inside. But to be honest, I, uh, from all of my assessments with all of our machinery and equipment, penetrometers and that, the track's pretty even right across. It's just a matter of finding a, a run. And as I said last, last week leading into the race meeting, we changed the cambers of the track coming around the turn. And so, it's, you know, the, the feedback we've got from riders is that the horses are pretty comfortable coming around the turn. And so, you know, horses in front are naturally going to kick on because, you know, they, they, they find it comfortable coming around there. So I think it's just a matter of strategy and, and tempo and, you know, making, making your run at the right time to be able to, to get a go. And I think you'll see that this weekend with uh, big fields, all the best jockeys, uh, the track's well placed. Oh, absolutely. You only have to look back at the history of the Magic Minions, don't you, Mike? You know, when, when the tracks really firm up and they're running really at fast time home, Nivesh, I mean, you, only, you know, you look at the past 20 years and where the winners came from, there were a hell of a lot of them that, that rolled up near the speed. Yeah, and look, they were running some good uh, sort of uh, home sectionals, so they're going to have a really good one to run faster than 33. So, um, you know, and that's just testimony to the track we're good for. Horses are comfortable. They're running good times. So, you know, I'm really happy leading into this weekend. And as I said, we just we just don't want uh, a deluge. And they're not saying that, but uh, if that forecast remains as what it is right now, uh, I'm pretty happy. Can't wait for it, Navesh. You've been wonderful. I'll annoy you again probably two more times um, before Saturday. But thank you. Thanks. Have a good day, guys. Yeah, Navesh Ramdani. We're broadcasting here from the Magic Million Sales Complex in the Tab area, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Stuff I dreamt You've of. You've been dreaming about yeah, this. Yeah, I have, week. yeah. <laughs> Lucky it wasn't 20 years ago. Uh, I just get them to put my way just straight into, <laughs> straight into that little tin there across. But just yesterday, I just want to mention some of the top lots. Um, lot 392, a two-done hot cult. Uh, it was 1.9 million from a time for Julia.
Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's John Camilleri breed. A time for Julius. So went for one point nine million. The two darn hot. Then you've got the Schnitzel warranty. Another one of John Camilleri's one point seven five zero million. There's an extreme choice. Uh, wanted lady went for one point nine. And I am invincible. Palace talk. Of course, that was the day prior. Uh, one point three. So at this stage, it's tracking pretty well, Mike, with the average mm. and the medians and that sort of information. But we'll elaborate a little bit on that um, throughout the morning. Yeah, about 290,000 the average, which is uh, keeping pace with last year. And, yeah, there were eight yearlings yesterday that made a million plus. And the one that uh, I found interesting was um, the Ole Kirk filly, the grey filly. She bought just in excess of a million dollars, like a first-season sire, uh, to bring um, a million plus is just extraordinary. So there's a there's a heap of money around. Oh, absolutely. Of course, David Ellis has been buying up big. He flies back to New Zealand tomorrow. He's one of the leading buyers, of course, Gain Adrian, uh, Kieran Ma, James Harron, who we're going to talk about, one of his runners in the Midian shortly with yep. Mike Freebehind. Yep. Uh, China Horse Club, of course, up there, and, uh, of course, Tom Magny and Waller Racing and so on. And uh, Guy Mulcaster, of course, being heavily involved with Chris Waller, as he always is. At the moment, Storm Boy on tab has been the best back runner, clearly. I think punters are thinking well, he's undefeated, two starts, two wins, but he might bounce straight to the lead. 2.50 into 2.30 was 2.50 at short. the draw. It is short. That's too short. Way yeah. too short. I'm sort of thinking as well, but uh, there was a better 4,000 at 250, 2,500 at $2.50, 2,000 at 250. So he's the one the putters are, are honing in onto right now. But yeah. we've still got a few days to go. Absolutely. Look, he was terrific on debut. We know the second horse came out and won Brisbane the other day. It was ugly early, wasn't he? It was well, wide. it was. And that's the thing. Um, he didn't break well. He's a big horse and he sort of brushed the side of the gates. And then he was in a little bit of bother. Um, had to work through the first three, four hundred metres, but his class sort of helped him through that. He, he sort of just was battling it for 200, but when, when Adam gave him a reminder, a giddy-up, he pulled away again. Um, so he can't afford to do anything wrong. He's got to get out of the gates quickly and get running on mm. Saturday. Mark, of course, worked for that stable for a long period of time, uh, including working with Piero and all those top youngsters. Mark, have you been watching him yourself, uh, Storm Boy? He's a, he's a, as Michael said, he's a, he's a big boy. Yeah, I, I watch a lot of the racing because um, I know you do. <laughs> we're um, yeah, we predominantly race on Sundays, so um, I, I certainly watch all the the Saturday meetings. Um, I'd say if he had a chink in his armour, it might just be the start. And uh, you know, Magic Millions two-year-old race, it's it's all about the first two hundred, the position you get. Um, but he certainly looks to be the best horse going into it. He's a, do you, I don't know if you agree, and Michael and Mark, he's a momentum horse. Um, he's a horse that sort of comes off the bridle a fair way out, but he just builds momentum. He just doesn't go bang off the mark. He sort of a, he builds Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't look the dance hero type, mm, but correct. Um, uh, he certainly looks a horse that, you know, would be uh, at three a mile easily. Correct, yeah. Uh, but he might be just bigger, stronger than, than the opposition on the on the weekend. If we talked about his grand dam, of course, she was outstanding in New Zealand. Sea change for, for Ralph Manning and Dick Caraman all those seasons ago. Now, at Hong Kong, um, tell us about when you arrived. and Are you happy? Is it about nine winners at this stage for the season? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we moved over in June and uh, the season starts uh, in September. So... I was there, um, you know, getting organised. Um, the yeah, we're, we're away to nine winners, which people tell me is a good start. Um, I like to win a lot, so I'm, you know, I'd, I you've got to be patient. Yes, and that, <laughs> and that, and that's the absolute key to it. So, 
I'm, I'm, I'm actually the only thing I am patient with is, is horses. So that, that's, that's, uh, I'm lucky in that respect. Um, and, and look, they're, they're racing well. Um, the horses that we've got that uh, haven't raced in Hong Kong are all stepping out in the next couple of months. Quite, quite a few of them trialling at the moment. Um, one or two of them making their day, Hong Kong debuts on the weekend and a few more in the next you know, six to eight weeks. So those are the chance to build a, a really good second half of the season. And, you know, I'd say up until a month ago, more than half my stable hadn't raced in Hong Kong. So we've got good ammo, but just got to be patient as to when we fire the bullets. Yeah, I reckon you should be proud. So around 90 runners, nine winners, and there's a heap of placings, about 23 there as well. Yeah, look, they're running consistently. Um, it's it's uh, The system there doesn't allow you to have an overly good strike rate. Um, if, you, if you're batting at about 10%, you're going really well. So I think on, on strike rate, I'm probably running about fifth or sixth on, on the yeah. table. Um, and not... And, and that's probably not with great quality of runners either, but uh, the ones we're sending around are racing well. Jamie Richards is um, going well. It's his second season. He's, he's only got a few more winners than you, and, and Tony Cruz has been multiple um, Hong Kong champion trainer. Um, has only a few more winners as well, so things are looking good. I see where you've got, um, what, 40, 48 horses in-house at the moment. Yeah, and that's uh, we've got a few more to come in in the next um, uh, couple of shipments, but there's probably a few there that will retire at the end of this season as well. Um, so, look, if, if we can build up over 50 before the end of the, the season, I'd be happy with that number. Um, uh, 60, 60 is the max I'm yeah. allowed to have at the moment, so there's a bit of room to move. Yeah, I'm saving for one of your horses that I actually went into the... If you want a bit of fun, and Michael, I know, is always in the website as well, and yourself, but if anyone wants to m sit there for an hour and a half, two hours on the Hong Kong Jockey Club website, there, I reckon you still wouldn't get through what's on there. The different options, the different drop-down windows, and the information is overwhelming on, it, on that website. Information overload. You can... Like, even while I'm here, I can watch my horses work. Um, you know, everything's recorded. Um, so... And, and, look, that's that's why they have such... Uh, big turnover is the information that's provided um, and the transparency, the transparency around it. I was going to say, yeah. that's unbelievable, yeah. the transparency there. Yeah. yeah, the integrity and the transparency there is is what makes it such a good um, uh, betting medium. Yeah, mm -hmm. agree. Now, you want to have a guess at the horse I'm <laughs> talking about? Well, I, I, might, I might be trying to keep one to myself, so I don't, <laughs> no, I, I don't want to divulge one. The horse is very talented. Yep. But I have, I just Has went it in raced here or is it an unraced? It, it's won quite a few races in Hong Kong already. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but I went in to watch Lucky Swain S trial. I just fluked it. I just went into barrier trials. I saw a Lucky Swain S trial, and obviously um, Matthew Poon rode him in the trial, Lucky yep. Swain S. But then I went to the next trial, and I saw a horse called Courier Wonder, trial like Farlap. Now, is he now with you, Courier Wonder? Yes, yeah. Well, uh, Courier Wonder had a really uh, big start to his career uh, with John Size. He won his first five. Uh, he hasn't won for a couple of seasons, uh, but he has been placed behind, you know, the best sprinters, Lucky Swainess and Wellington. So his form tapered off a little bit towards the end of last season, and he moved to Danny Shum. Um, for whatever reason, he didn't make the um, lead-up to the International Day in December, and then he didn't make the December race either. He had a couple of uh, lameness issues. Um, after that, 
uh, owners contacted me and asked whether I would um, be interested in taking him. So surely a horse rated that well. I was more than happy to do so. Um, look, I've changed a few things. I started riding him a bit myself um, in his work and just to see where his problems may lie. Um, we've sort of come up with a strategy and a program to um, get him fit enough and sound enough to get him to return to the races. Hopefully on the 28th of this month is the um, the Sprint Cup, which is a Group 1 1200. So What's his rating now, Mark, about? He's 114. 114. So he's, he's got to run in the top company. Yeah. So he's got to run against yeah. Lucky Swainess and Wellington. There's no, yeah. there's no room to move. Um, but, look, I was happy with his trial. Hugh was happy with his trial. Hugh's already committed to another horse, but because he'd had a history with the horse, um, I, I asked him to ride him and, and just give an assessment, and uh, he was pretty glowing in his assessment. So uh, we're, we're tracking pretty well for where we're at. I tell you what, it, it's, it's tough in Hong Kong, isn't it, with the, the rating system. I worked in Singapore for many years, and often you'd see horses moves significantly if it performed poorly or whatever but in hong kong you know that you've got to say they're tough um they will hold their rating if they run fourth or fifth they'll they'll hold uh, <laughs> do you yeah. find it <laughs> oh look it it's um most most of my staff was pretty lowly rated so it's not hasn't really effect, affected me yeah. to a great degree yet yeah. but they do penalise you quickly when they you win. They do, yeah. Um, you know, I had a, a, I've got a horse, uh, Diamond Flair, that I actually trained in Sydney, and he was an impressive on the all weather uh, a couple of weeks back, and and he, he went up eight pounds straight away. Um, but he, he's he, he'll win again. Um, but it, uh, they they can stick you pretty hard when yeah. you when you when you win clearly. <laughs> but surely an all weather win wouldn't equate to a grass win. Oh well, he ran fast time, ah. so he, he he ran the he he ran quicker time than the class two on the uh, on the all weather on on the same afternoon. So yeah, they slugged him pretty heavily. Mm. Um, Mark, just in relation to Rachel King, I just wanted to give her a mention, given she rode a winner in Japan, didn't she? Um, last weekend, you must reflect and look back, and you must be so proud because, of course, you gave her a first group one. That was actually your first group one, wasn't it? Made in heaven. Um, so, yeah, you must be just. And she had a wonderful year with those group ones. You know, it's two in Sydney, and of course, Osmosis in the Coolmore as well. Yeah, she's done amazing. She gave us well. some wonderful opportunities when not a lot of people were putting her on. Yeah, no, that's correct. And um, you know, so I worked closely with her when um, when she first um, came to work for Gay and. I actually um, took her into Racing New South Wales and signed her apprenticeship papers um, because there was there was some uh, well there was some conjecture between myself and Gay and Rachel as to whether Rachel would be apprenticed to us or not. And um, anyway, uh, we got it done in the end, and I took her in and did the interview process and signed the papers. And um, she came to visit us just in in December when she got an invite to the International Jockeys Challenge and, and she rode a winner at her first ride. So um, she's done remarkably well. Yeah, horse that drew wide as well. Just in regards to the million sale, um, have you purchased any as, as yet, Mark? Yeah, we've got two. Um, two of my clients, um, uh, Patrick Lee, whose uh, who's family raced the diamond horses that I've had since I started training. And uh, I rode for them... Of, 20 years ago in Macau, so it's been a long association. So he picked up one on the first day, and then uh, David Loy and um, uh, one of his partners in, in a new venture, uh, they bought one. David raced all the um, shadow horses with me, so um, uh, they picked up one yesterday, a Parada. Are you finding now, um, 
compared to sort of years years gone by that Australian horses are difficult to buy, you know, the, the private purchases. And, and our owners now, are, are you recommending owners perhaps buy yearlings and buy a couple of them, maybe prepare them up and bring yeah. them up if they get a, you know, a, a Griffin per, uh, permit? I've been doing that for a few years, actually, yeah. um, because it, it's getting more and more difficult to buy horses out of Australia um, just because, well, prize money's gone up a lot, but so is syndication. And, yeah. you know, when you're making approaches to buy a horse and that has 20 owners, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it just, you know, it, it, it's it's difficult to get across the line. I usually, you know, when I'm watching trials or races, I just look at the ownership group and, and quickly try and work out whether the horse will be buyable or not. And I just text the trainers directly and, and, and ask a question straight away. Um, but as far as um, buying yearlings, d- done that for a few years here um, and generally the strategy might be we might say okay we'll spend half a million buy three or four qualify one and and they would race two or three with me in Sydney so um, you know that that worked really well Uh, one of my early clients um, Paul Cheng he did that right from the start he he raced the mission horses so he's got a couple with me in Hong Kong now but um, like a horse like Mission Phoenix stayed here to race on and has been a, a really genuine horse and, and a horse that um, I had when I first started called Mission Tycoon. He won his first two starts for me in Sydney and uh, he went on and, um, and won the middle leg of the um, four-year-old series, um, the 1800, so over there. So it, um, it, it works well and, it, and it's cost-effective that way. What are the breeds, the horses you purchased so far? Uh, Pirata and uh, So You Think. So what's the process? So you buy the yearlings. <laughs> Tell me about eventually getting them to Hong Kong. Where do they go from here? Can you take us through those stages? Yeah, and, and look, that's something that I, I, I sort of had set up so that I could use um, heading into Hong Kong. And, and you need to have a process where the horses are um, uh, in a system that is, um, you know, you've got a bit of control of. So they, they leave here and they go to a farm in New South Wales called Whispering Pines and they get broken in there. Um, they, they broke in pretty much all my horses the time I was training. And then um, they'll then be pre-trained by Blake Ryan at Hawkesbury. So Blake's taken over quite a few of my horses um, to prepare for Hong Kong and um, yeah we'll get them to a stage of jump out and trial stage and you know work out um, whether they're they're good enough uh, to come um, and and whether depending on what the owner's permit is whether they have to race and and win to be able to to be able to come over. So would Blake possibly train them for a couple of runs? Yeah. Yeah so Blake uh, the horses he took over um, after I left uh, earlier last year, um, yeah, he's qualified a couple already. He's qualified uh, a horse called Shadow Raiders, which is now Forever Charm in Hong Kong. He's had a couple of starts. He's, he's probably a couple of starts away from being a winning chance. Uh, and a horse that uh, I trialled the other day called Super Charizard, he trialled at Hawkesbury under Super, ba- uh, Super Music. And uh, was quite an impressive trial winner there. So, um, yeah, that, that's working out well with Blake. If they race, Mark, they've got a race. If they've got a um, PP permit, um, 
Is it about 62 points? Like, is it one win? 63. Or is it, 63, is 63, it? 63, 63. Yeah. So will two wins get you in? Here? It depends where they are. Look, yeah. they're pretty flexible now with um, uh, provincial racing in New South Wales. Generally, you win a maiden and that will qualify you. Is that so, right? yeah, yeah, because they've... They've realised that those those races are they rate pretty well. Um, you know they're all well bred, well trained horses. So um, they're you know they're flexible enough now. And if you're in any doubt on, on horses that I'm making approaches on, I just text the handicappers and they get back to you pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, with a yes or no. They give you a certain budget. Some of these owners. Um, does... Yes, they do, but um, they're generally pretty flexible with it and and it depends how much they want the horse like it um you know i've got one particular owner his his budget is find me a good horse that's and i go how much he goes i just want a good horse so So you could put your hand up for a 1.5 million dollar i'm invincible well he's he's got a he's got a permit for a, a a tried horse so yeah i think if we found the right three year old for you know, a million and a half, two million, he'd be more than happy to take it. But finding that horse is a lot harder than what you think. So you're watching trials in New Zealand, all those places as well? Marcus Australia? Everywhere. Um, and, I, look, I, I prefer to do that sort of thing myself than rely on agents. Um, and, look, I have the time to do it um, over there. Um, and, yeah, I, I just... I have the calendars there and I just text the trainers straight away and, and uh, sometimes even while I'm at work with the time difference, I might be watching a trial at, at, at Ramwick and I'll just I'll just send a text straight away um, because the agents aren't, aren't too far behind you. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you know, if the horse is available, um, you, need to be, you need to be first in line. Mm-hmm. So when you came to this sale, so we've had two days so far, of course, 10 o'clock uh, session three gets underway. How many did you mark, for example, in your catalogue, say, for the first two days that you're really interested in? Oh, look, probably probably 30. Um, you know, it, um, especially for Hong Kong buyers, if, if they're not here at the sale, it's... it's a lot easier to put horses uh, in front of them that they know the breeds and they know they're successful. So, you know, Deep Field, Purring Canto, um, you know, those type of stallions are very popular in Hong Kong, Toronado. And, and look, there's good reason for that. Um, you know, that they're horses that are obviously very sound. They train on. Uh, they've got good temperaments. So, you know, and those are the essential um, parts of Hong Kong racing. You know, just because a horse is well-performed here doesn't mean there's any guarantee of success there. Of course, no. one of the yeah. best horses in... Well, the best horse in Hong Kong came from here, didn't it? A golden 60 through oh, yeah. He was uh, somewhere via Bow Desert, not far from here. He was born and bred Element Hill. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's extraordinary. He's won, what, thir- about 30 million Australian dollars. Yeah, and he's... Look, <laughs> his performance on uh, International Day in the Mile, extraordinary. A gr- yeah. Fantastic training performance, Francis Loy, and... Uh, and and matched by a, as equally as good a ride uh, by Vincent Ho. I mean, he drew wide, and really looking at the race, you thought he would need to be three wide with cover midfield to be a winning chance. He can't win going back to last, and he got that spot straight away, and the horse just blew them away. And at eight years of age, first up, it, yeah. you've got to take your hat off to that sort of performance. And it's amazing that Vincent has been on him every start. Yeah, and look, every start. He's a very, very good jockey, uh, Vincent, and, um, you know, probably overlooked a little bit 
you know, with, with Zach there and the dominance he has and, and, you know, Zach and Joe previous to that. But, no, he's a very good jockey and he's always looking to improve himself. So, um, you know, he'll be there for a, a fair while to come and, you know, um, he would be a chance to be champion jockey there in, in the future. Okay, that's interesting. Um, last night we had the only group race at Happy Valley throughout the year. Happy together won the January Cup. I think it was a Group Three level. You had the good old boy in, old Eric the Eel, Torby and Diamond. How did he go? Mate? How did he go? He ran a really good race. He ran fifth, um, which um, you know at his age and in that company is a is a good result. Uh, owners were happy. Uh, he transferred to me at the end of last season, and his former his last six or seven runs last season, he his former dropped off a cliff. You know he wasn't he wasn't performing well, and he wasn't. Uh, there wasn't anything physically wrong with him. He just needed a bit of a, uh, I think, a change of environment, change of training style. And um, where I train at Chartin down um, uh, at the Olympic stables, there's actually there a lot more uh, horse-friendly. There's a lot more room. There's uh, They're set up very similar to an Australian style where they're, they're only the single story. The, the, the boxes are a bit more... Uh, they're a bit more light, a bit more air. Um, we've got a nice 10-horse walk in the middle of the yard and, and there's a nice big long trot and walk up to the track each morning. So they're not, it's not as busy as, as the other end. Um, and, you know, I think that's, that's helped him. He's only won... He's won three from 34, nine placings. He's won 25 million Hong Kong. What's that in Aussie, approximately? 20? Five million. Five million. Five million, so he's done pretty well. Yeah, um, And he, he's a, a very durable horse. Like, he had probably more starts in Australia than most horses would going into Hong Kong. I think he'd had about 15 runs, and generally they won't take them after that. Um, so he's right on the right on the cusp of of getting there or not and he's and uh he's had you know he's probably had 50 lifetime starts now in good company his whole life so uh he's a lovely big durable horse um he's he's a he's a pretty easy horse to train he doesn't have too many um physical uh uh you know setbacks so um, he's a nice big sound horse, but yeah, he just needed a bit of a, a change of routine and change of environment, I yeah. think. Torby and Diamond, of course, Eric the Eel, uh, as he raced in Australia. So with the owners, like Stuart Kendrick trained Eric the Eel when he was here. Stuart had that good horse years ago called uh, Ted, who ping morphed into Ping High Star, won the Derby. Full as a boot, I think, was runner-up in a Magic Millions. I think he went over to Hong Kong as well. Yeah, it went terrible, I think. Yeah. yeah so go. do they also look at certain trainers like I say for Stuart Kerry they bought Ted they had success they won a derby they then focus on certain trainers who have got promising horses to buy from them believing it's good luck and things like that oh, I know they're very superstitious yeah they are but I think it's more about look some trainers are sellers and some aren't and that's why you you'll see that um uh winners in Hong Kong will have a, a certain theme of coming from different trainers like I was always a seller um, and so, same, you know, so I, I know even when I'm making approaches, I, you know, I won't name names, but there's certain trainers I don't bother with because they're just, they're not interested in selling. Um, and, you know, I, I was always of the belief if you make a profit on a horse, you should take it. Um, Do you think this situation, though, say you send a text to the trainer, he says no, but 
the owner would would certainly think about it. If if you reckon oh. that goes on, oh, it, it probably does. Oh, well, no, it, it does because they don't want to lose the horse. It does, obviously, yeah. But I mean, look, they they should have. They should have uh, in their trainers' agreement, you know, the ten percent of sale sale price uh, as their compensation for losing the horse, um, and you know, it's it's commonplace in in training agreements now. So, you know, if you're making ten percent on a you know million dollar sale, it's, it's a pretty good win. There's not many races you go you know win a million dollar first prize. Yeah. What about tax on something like that though? Is that well? Steve, without divulging too much of my own financial affairs, you've got to make sure that you have you, you have your ducks in a row to to um, you know have family members owning different percentages of horses or different percentages of your business so that you can spread the um, spread the income. Of course, we're seeing a changing of the guard. A lot of things are going to, going to change in Hong Kong. Obviously, when Zach retires, whenever that may be, and. Whoever you know sits at the top of the mantle, wait and see whether it be James McDonald or someone else. David Eustace, who's joining us tomorrow, he's about to enter the fold there in Hong Kong as well. Yeah, oh look, it's um, there's there's um, when when I was first approached, um, you know they had a sort of five to ten year plan on on trainers because they've got quite a few approaching um, retirement age there, and um, you know I was first interviewed probably two and a half years ago um, and um, after that interview all I was told that I was added to a short list of trainers that um, you know may be approached in the next few really? years yeah yeah no there's so they nothing. teased you well yeah so well, first of all they find out whether you're interested and you know of course um, you'd be interested I, yeah and um, and so that that's how the process begun for me um, not sure I can speak for every anybody else but um, uh, yeah, look, it'll be, a, you know, John size. They've extended the um, the age limit um, uh, to allow him to continue training after this season because uh, he, I'm pretty sure, turned 70, which was going to be uh, an automatic retirement for him. But he's been allowed to, um, to continue on after this season. So who knows for how long that'll go. Um, but... Um, Oh look, there's there's well two two this season. Uh, myself and Cody Mo, one of the locals, and probably David, and and there might be one new local appointment again um, for next season. Do you think they go for a certain image as well? Like your the way you portray yourself, you know, it's exemplary here in Australia. You know, well dressed, clean cut, immaculate, and all that sort of stuff. David Eustace, similar. You know, younger fellow, clean cut, presents well, speaks well. Do you think they take that into account as well? Oh, I'm Mark. sure. I'm sure. And look at your your personal resume before they. Oh, I reckon no. they'd leave no stone unturned. Oh no, no, I'm sure they do. Um, All your social media stuff. Yeah, because it's um, you know, it's a there's a lot of focus on on racing in Hong Kong seven days a week. It's not just Wednesday night and Sunday. So, you know, you've got to make sure that anywhere you're going, you're um, you know, you're conducting yourself in a manner that would um you know, be how the jockey club would want you to be seen in public because most places you go, um, people know who you are. So, you know, you don't want to be... So you're not just staggering out of a nightclub or something? Correct, yeah. correct. You don't want to be, you know, heading out after a Happy Valley meeting and, you know, stumbling along in Lang Kwai Fong somewhere and, <laughs> you know, it, uh, it, it'd be reported pretty quickly. 
Um, so I'm sure I'm sure that's a part of it. And that's something, you know, I think in the future that younger people should think about with social media, for example, what they're plastering on there, what they're doing on there, because one day they might end up going for a job. First thing the employer's going to do is, oh, you've got a Facebook, Instagram account. They go through it. Yeah, you know, it I, reckon, I reckon it's the best... Uh, way of getting a personality, finding... Y- yes, I reckon Finding out what someone's like. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, oh, look, and, and look, it's... Um, I mean, it, I'm... I'm I'm not much for social media, and 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 I live a pretty quiet life um, outside of you know socialising in Hong Kong with 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 owners and different things. Um, so it's not something. I don't, well, it's not something I think you'll be reading about. Yeah, have <laughs> Mark you, have you... with some scandal late at night in Hong Kong, but. Um, yeah, it, it's something that they would um, keep an eye on. They haven't got to that level as yet as we have here, whereby the jockey gets off the horse and all of a sudden they've got a phone in their face. That, in Hong Kong ownership, that hasn't got to that level as yet, has it? No, but what's interesting is that um, uh, because the trainers in Hong Kong, especially at the, the top of the ladder for such a long time, have, um, have been able to have get away with having very little communication with their owners um, and um, since Jamie Richards got there and um, and his approach is you know similar to what would happen in most Australian stables now where you you know send a weekly update and things like that um, owners are now expecting a, a little bit more and I know um, uh, before I got there, um, my communication with owners here was limited to pretty much a voicemail once a week. No, no fancy videos or, or um, you know, set to music and smoke in the background and and, and, and all of that. But um, I've got a secretary there that does a little video um, each week, and I just put a voice to it. And uh, our owners think it's it's fantastic because they're just not used to getting much information from the trainers. Mm. Like I've got I've got an owner with me now who's got a horse in another stable, and uh, he said to me, he said I have to find out off the jockey club when my horse is racing. Yeah, yeah. I thought really it was so school. precious yeah. over there. I thought well, it was probably it. like it was here 20 years ago or something. Yes. You know, yeah. 30 years ago. And, and Gay changed the yeah. game here yeah. with, with, with owner communications. Yeah, mm. yeah. Absolutely. So what's your target for next season, Mark? What would you like to reach? Oh, look, if I'm getting somewhere between 30 to 40 winners, um, that would be be where I'd like to be at. Um, And, you know, I would say next season, if I'm middle of the table, I'd be happy with that. Um, And then, you know... Hopefully, progressing from there. Because, um, um, of course, Mr. Ong is at the top there at the moment, isn't he? With 41 wins at this stage of the season. Yeah, and he's had an incredible start. He's was only this his second, first year or second, 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 second season. Second season. Yeah. So, him and uh, Jamie Richards started off last season, and uh, there wasn't much between them at the end of the season. But Pierre's um, uh, uh, he's really shot shot out of the gates quickly this year and had a lot of early winners, but. The way the system's there, he, he could well slow down to the second half of the season because, as we spoke before, once your horses go up in the ratings, it takes a while to get them back down. So yeah. horses that, you know, a lot of horses will only win, you know, once or twice for a season. And once they've won their one or two races, that, that that's pretty much it. It's, you it's know? tough going up, up, up into class. Like, if you start off with an unraced horse, to get it up to class two is yeah. rare. 
But having said what you're saying there, you know, a trainer like um, John Size, I think he's about fifth or sixth at the moment, but he's he's usually a strong finisher in the season, isn't he? He's always a slow starter. He doesn't like to have... Uh and this is only my own observation because yeah. I've been watching him for a long time. He trained here for a long time. Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't have many starters at uh, in the first month or two, and whether that's because of the very hot, humid weather, or or that's just his style of after they've had a bit of a rest at the end of the season, he takes quite a while in building them up again. But he, he traditionally has a very strong second half of the season. All right. So Courier Wonder. Given his rating, do I back him the place? That's probably about where he place sits. Place Can he run yeah. a place? Yeah. Well, I, it'd be without knowing what's going to happen on the 28th and where they draw and uh, different things. Lucky Swainess is is the benchmark at the moment, and uh, he trialled very well um, on Tuesday as well. So he looks like he's well on track. Um, but no, look, I'm happy with my horse. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Love to have you here. Great. Mark Unum joining us. They're outside broadcast at the Magic Minion Sales Complex, just outside the tab area here.